With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how are you doing, sir? LJ, doing just fantastic myself. Um, Just got back from the Yankees game. I was there today for that 11.35 start against the Tigers. The Yankees win I've seen. Um, it was, let's see, I'd gone to four four games prior to this, and they had lost in a row. Um, I've been to probably 15 or 20 games in my lifetime, and the previous four they had lost. So was a bit nervous heading down to the stadium today. Um but, of course, they do end up pulling it out in extra innings. Josh Donaldson with a walk-off sacrifice fly. But just overall, fantastic. Um, first time on this show where I'm able to sit down after a game I was at in which the Yankees won. Um, so, yeah, I mean, last year I went to two Yankees-Red Sox games. The Red Sox won both of them. They both went to extra innings. Um, so that was pretty painful, and you can go and listen to those shows, I'm sure, um, as well as my reaction after the wild card game. But this is certainly in much better spirits. Very happy, overall fantastic day. And um, LJ, I don't know, based on talking to a lot of the other people that were there at the game, and based on what I've read online, people actually are pretty big fans of this 
not only the Peacock broadcast, which I've heard is out of the best when you look at like Amazon Prime and Apple TV and all these other streaming services, they have uh, Peacock has been regarded as the best broadcast out of those. And also, people love this 11.35 start on a Sunday. Um, really? At least the people that I was with. And, like, look, we had to get up early to get down there to the city to get to catch the game. But you get out of there, and it's only, like, 3 o'clock. There's really not much traffic coming back. In terms of watching it on TV, a bunch of Yankees fans I was talking to um, who were watching on TV today, they said that it was great, you know, like, they still had the whole afternoon to go and do whatever they 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 uh, chose to on a Sunday. So I don't know. Um, before we jump too deep into anything specific that happened in the game, just LJ, your your overall thoughts. Um, yeah, this is a thought that is kind of being created as I go here. But like, if people start to really like this, then they need to go the next step and really embrace this. Mm. Like. I'm now saying copy football, but kind of copy football in this. What if all of the Sunday night, Sunday games were early start day games? For the most part, they they are, though, right? Because there's just the one Sunday night game, and most of the games are afternoon. Yeah, but, like, this is a different breed. If you can mm, yeah. do 11.30 noon starts for every single game, all of a sudden that becomes – could become, at least – a social event, you know, family, family lunch on Sundays after church, we watch the Yankees after church. We watch the Orioles after church. We don't watch the A's cause that's just a terrible, terrible experience that I wouldn't put any family through. But my point being, you know, baseball needs to take bold strokes here. And I think this is definitely one where you're playing with house money. Cause worst case scenario, you get people enjoying it as much as they did, not more. Yeah, you know, I think that the time, if if there was ever a time in MLB's history to take risks, it's right now because before your like, sport guys. I mean, LJ, what do they have to lose? I mean, the fans, the total number of fans that watch the game is going down as the years go on because the average fan age is is uh, getting older. You know. Like I said, I don't know what they have to to lose here, unless I'm like missing something that's very glaring. Like obviously, you have the teams that play on Saturday night, and if that game goes into extra innings, and it's like Jesus, we got to be back here for a noon game on Sunday. So I can understand that, but you can certainly do a couple of workarounds. You don't need to have at least the teams that are going to be playing that Sunday morning game. They could do everything in their power to make sure that they aren't playing on a Saturday night, you know. So, you well, know, there's there's no reason for them to have to play on a Saturday night, right? Because any series that's going to be on a weekend is going to start at least by Friday. Mm-hmm. So you're not traveling into town on Saturday, never. So you can easily do a Saturday afternoon game. You can do a one or a four on Saturday afternoon. It's very realistic. Look, I think this is a very plausible idea to embrace and flesh out. But it won't happen because it just, I don't know, I'm getting very frustrated with the fact that Major League Baseball only seems to want to embrace the ideas to save the game that revolve around tampering and sullying the quality of the product, the authenticity of the product, and just, you know, making you question whether or not this is actually like 
a real legitimate sport at this point. Well, I did get the pleasure of watching this sport today. So let me take you through a little bit of this Yanks game. Um, It was Jordan Montgomery on the mound for the Yankees and Ronnie Garcia for the Tigers. Um, Both pitchers settled in um, fairly well. Tigers got on the board first in the top of the fourth. Um, Both Miguel Cabrera and Javi Baez just killed the Yankees today. Um, We just couldn't get them out, especially... Cabrera he's over a 300 batting average on the season um he's probably the best hitter on this Tigers team maybe Harold Castro um who replaced Jamer Candelario earlier in the game after he got hurt um chasing after a ball but yeah you know this is it's honestly like the Tigers I'm impressed because look they're still 21 and 33 still one of the worst teams in the league but they've got some arms here. I mean, Michael Fulmer comes in in the eighth inning, I believe. And he came in, and I was I was scared, LJ, because the Yankees were losing at that point. And I see them bring in Fulmer, and I'm like, oh, boy. like This guy's been really freaking good this year. Um, and so is Alec Lang, who they brought in um, after Ronnie Garcia, because he went five innings. You bring in Lang. They, he almost got through two innings. A lot of impressive stuff out of this Tigers pitching, pitching, pitching. Uh, but the Yankees, sorry, my kind of being weird here. I'm sorry if the audio is kind of cutting in and out a little. But the Yankees. We're turning into some sort of rave and Brandon's the DDD. I don't know what's going on with my mic. It just keeps turning on and off randomly. Joey Gallo has the big homer in the bottom of the fifth to tie it up. DJ LeMahieu, bases loaded, walk. Yanks take the lead going into the eighth before Miggy Cabrera. Big hit off of Miguel Castro. Javi Baez comes through and makes it 4-3. to three. The Tigers retake the lead. Roger Clemens' son, the pinch runner, scores. And 4-3 Tigers. We go to the bottom of the eighth. Yankees put together quite a rally. Rizzo hit by the pitch. He steals second. The ball gets into the outfield. He is able to advance the third. Glaber Torres hits into a fielder's choice. Um, Another throwing error as Rizzo tries to score at home. Yanks tie it up. We worked our way through the ninth. Great inning from Wandy Peralta. We get to the 10th. Michael King strikes out the side in the top of the 10th. One of the guys that um, has been so much fun to watch for the Yankees this year. And to be able to see that in person was just fantastic. Bottom 10, Yanks put together just a little rally for a Josh Donaldson sack fly that ends up basically right in front of me. I was 11 rows back um, there in uh, left field. Ball gets caught right at the wall. Yankees win, walk-off victory. My first walk-off I've ever seen. Um, Six in a row for the Yankees now. They sweep the Tigers and keep on rolling. Yeah, this is certainly, again, it sounds like a great game that you got to see. An interesting matchup. It's too bad you couldn't have seen even, especially could you imagine if you'd gotten a chance to see this Tigers team healthy? Oh, yeah. It would have been awesome. But there's... I'm sorry, who started today? Ronnie Garcia. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been fine, but he hasn't been anything special by any means. Like, if you'd gotten Matt Manning, if you'd gotten Casey Mize, if you'd gotten, even, again, Spencer Turnbull, 
we very we very often are forgetting about spencer steelio girl turnbull um spencer the love sponge spencer the love sponge. <laughs> no um isn't that what we call them i swear that was like the title of one of the episodes no lj i wanted to see Tariq scooball the dude is in the al cy young contention right now Ty, like i'm saying the tigers might be the best worst team i've ever seen I have never, um, I don't remember ever calling him the love sponge, but. I'm going to find the episode title while you ram- ramble right now, because I swear there was something like that. I don't ramble. How dare you? No, well, no. I'm, I'm offended I'm, by I'm that. I'm giving you the opportunity to ramble. <laughs> okay, I'm going to ramble real quick on on the Tigers, because I actually want to save this more for tomorrow's show when we go through the power rankings. Um but I guess my point here is I'm very far in and wish you got to see a fully healthy pitching staff because for this team, because it's so fun. However, I am all the way out on this offense. This these are jarring numbers. Um, Miguel Cabrera props to him back over 300 batting average. This is terrific. Again, putting up terrific numbers for his age and for the situation we had seen him in for the last couple of years certainly haven't been terrific but he's been really pulling his weight but there was a point in time i'm not sure if it's now is it now is he still over 300 i gotta check that who's that cabrera uh, miggy yes he is over 300 after today's yeah. game after today's game he's back over 300 again either way he's above 300 after seasons of 256 250 282 he hasn't had a 300 season since 2016 i'm not gonna say he is gonna have it but this is certainly a much improved miggy from what we've seen over the last couple of years he's batting 300 meanwhile there are five players on his team batting below the mendoza line i am very far out on this team because if he can't save them no one can but i'll get into that in more depth tomorrow but we're going to move along while Brandon tries to find this. Oh, I got it, LJ. I got it. Love Sponge? Okay, so we have episode 81, which was just titled Spencer Turnbull No-Hitter plus MLB Daily Becomes First Take. And then episode 83. Yeah, this is when we found out about the church girl. Yes, okay, so actually, so we should give a little more context. Episode 82, the the episode right after the Spencer Spencer Turnbull No-Hitter, we have the Corey Kluber no-hitter. This is last year, the beginning of the season, where seemingly every day we had <laughs> a no-hitter. Um, the day after the Kluber no-hitter, LJ and I get on here to talk. And uh, LJ, I'll let you take it away. We find out about something. <laughs> yes, we discover, and I believe I found this, like, we're talking within like a half hour of when we started recording is when this all started to come out. And turns out, the woman that was there celebrating with him after the no hitter and all that is his, of course, romantic partner now, but she actually is the wife currently going through a divorce with the youth pastor of, I believe it was Hillsong church. One of those, you know, the big mega churches. And so we just, we had an absolute field day with Spencer Turnbull who was probably the most irrelevant young pitcher in the league at that point in time, very quickly turning into a popular star, just getting everything in the world. He was getting everything he possibly could at that point in time. Did we call him the love sponge? LJ, it was Spencer Turnbull, the love machine. Yeah, he's the love machine. 
And then the next episode, um, I'll have you know, was titled LJ Wanders Where Franco Is. This was May 22nd, 2021. So this is a little over a year ago now. Yeah, that was that that was the Willie Adamas trade day, wasn't it? Was it? That's when we talked if about you, it, right? Wait, what was the date you said? Oh, you gave episode number. May twenty first. Um Yeah, that'll be it. That's if, it. I'm gonna look at this up right now. If you know what day Willie Adamas got tr- oh my god, it was May twenty first, twenty twenty one, LJ. Traded with Trevor Richards to the Brewers for JP Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen. Both, isn't that amazing? A three-player trade or a four-player trade, and all four players still have an impact on their current rosters. Amazing, it's crazy. Yeah, you really doubt my 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 uh, Willie Adams knowledge. Yeah, (laughs) I do. (laughs) I can't believe it. Um, yeah, because basically the conversation that day was oh i want i wonder when franco's coming up because we assumed that that was the subsequent move to give him the playing time and then they end up promoting taylor walls instead of wander franco and that caused to kind of give a preview to what we're eventually going to get to in this episode us to start to look at taylor walls who was a very early front runner for the gold glove at shortstop in the American league until he stopped hitting the ball and they could no, lo- no longer keep him in the lineup. LJ, if I'm had just forgotten how to put the bat and the ball together. It would have been very successful. Um, I'm reading through some of these uh, titles that we Again, have. The t- our titles used to be so much better. No, we're going to get them back to where they, to where they once were. I'm, I'm tr- we're trying our best. It's going to get there. Give it we time. have, Save it for a rainy day, plus bring me Joe Adele. Uh, that one ended pretty pretty good. <laughs> uh, Actually, yeah, I, I, I went from very much in on him to very much... I wasn't even in on him, I was in need of him. Because that was all based on uh, the U.S. baseball team. Mm-mm. And then... Which made no sense that he wasn't on, but either way. One more that I just saw. Um, I'm not sure how this came up in the conversation, but we... St- have one thing on here steven matz bails out blue jays 525 game recaps plus Giannis in center field do you happen to remember us talking I, about Giannis onto the kumpo playing center field and then we I have mean, to move on to something else but yes for this. theoretically i can see it because can you imagine Giannis in center field we already did May twenty sixth, twenty twenty one. Yeah, but, no, but like seriously, like that would be an absolute monster. Of course, he's gonna probably break something the first time he tries to dive for a ball. But that him diving for a ball is gonna be like six feet away from the second base bag. Like that's how much ground this dude's gonna be able to cover. Either way, um, honorable mention. We had a episode title sometime around the Field of Dreams game. That was entirely corn puns, and it's still one of my favorite episodes. Let's see. Wait, I'm going to see if I can find it. Um, I'm trying to find which it's, one it's, that is. Because I know the Field of Dreams game was like August 16th or something. Yeah, Brandon, also for time's sake. We want to oh, right here. We are all children of the corn, high fructose homers plus corn. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's about corn. Um we're gonna have so much fun with this episode title for um 
time constraints um do we want to push yes most of the angels off well here's here's what we yeah, can say about the angels um basically they've lost 11 games in a row uh they're in the biggest slide we've seen a team have this year i believe now um there was three separate points where they had a lead in today's game including in the ninth inning including a 5-0 lead earlier in the game they blow all three leads they lose once again um lj this was a team that exactly three weeks ago i'm gonna pull up the tweet that i saw exactly three weeks ago this was a team that was sitting at 24 and 13 and they are now 27 and 28 and eight and a half games back of first place in the al west this is incredible that's all i will say for now because i will i want to do like a good deep dive into this in the middle of power rankings because like this is unacceptable and I have never been so firm on the fact that a manager has been in the, on the hot seat than I am right now. You know, and I was talking to one of my friends about this on the bus ride back today. And I said, you know, well, I, I said, I think Joe Madden, you know, this it could be uh, coming close to the end with him there. And we'll certainly get into this more tomorrow. But he said, you know, how much blame can you really put on Joe Madden? And I was like... Kind of a lot, I think, in my mind. Um, and I know that the manager can only do so much, but this seems like, I don't know, LJ. Joe Madden, everywhere he goes, how many different conversations do we have? When he was on the Cubs, I felt like it was all the time. When is he going to leave? When is he uh, you know, not going to be here? You know, Obviously, the guy's a good manager. He, he's dealt with exceptional talent his, his entire career, but sometimes... It just doesn't work out. I mean, we've seen other great managers just have terrible seasons. It happens. So, not saying yeah, that this is, this is, gonna this is a lot. I'm going to, again, we'll oh, this, most of this, it. This is a lot. No, this is a lot. This is a lot. And the scarier part for me is there are a ton of jarring injuries right now. Right. Yeah. Like, you're missing two key players, but they're not like, you're not really that much hurt. You have like the two not, best players in the league still on your team. You're not killed by it. Yeah, exactly. You've got uh, Reed Detmers and Joe Adele in your lineup. You're going to be totally fine. Um, anyway. Joe Adele is, is back. Like, what the hell are they doing? Why? Again, bear, bury him and him and oh, Kleenex. No, it's because of Taylor Ward just yes. IL. That's yes, right. Yes, he did. But, like, we, you can find something better. There, there, there are other options. I guess my my thought process on, on this is how can you keep Joe Adele around? Like, is he going to be in your future plans? 100% no he should be your be. answer. No, I mean, he, he must be the, um, like. Then uh, make him hit the ball. Like, again, I'm telling like, you've basically pampered him into this high strikeout uh, mentality his entire minor league career, which we're seeing a lot of guys that that just doesn't work for. Um yeah, you gotta gotta get something to change here because my my thought process is if I wasn't running the Angels, he is not part of my future plans. We're talking about Taylor Ward and right field, not Joe Adele, for the foreseeable future. And so I'm not necessarily as concerned about option years remain remaining, but you know service time is a valuable thing. Everybody likes to get get by without paying their players, so. 
you know, if you can give a team uh, one year and 33 days instead of one year and 54 days, like that is, that's a minor change, but it's some value. Like you're clicking, you're ticking time off of his service for him to give you below average production and probably not be around a year from now. Either way, we are this here is just for a Colton Clint Frazier situation again. I think we talked about this earlier. It's just a Clint Frazier thing. Clint Frazier was better than this. Yeah, no, you're right. Probably. Um, you probably are right. Um, all right, let's run through our National League Gold Gloves. Um, at least how we see it as right as of right now, June fifth. Um, kind of like with the AL Gold Gloves. Not really a lot that we can get into in terms of like a lot of stats and that kind of stuff. We can certainly talk about the stats that we're using, but we don't want to um, bog down the show with us just reading numbers. So it's just kind of research that we've done um, on our own, but we can um, certainly start with catcher where LJ, I think there's um, this is a position pitcher. We're going to start with pitcher as always. LJ start at one. Tell me where did we go at pitcher? We went with Logan Webb at pitcher. I'm assuming that we're both going here because I didn't realize he's kind of like lapping the field when it comes to his, um, like from a statistical standpoint, the dude's got nine putouts and nine assists on the year. That's a total of 18. Nobody comes close to that number. I believe the closest is probably 14. And then past that, you're talking about guys around 11 and 12. So he's certainly he's been doing major damage on the defensive side here. He's already got 66 innings on the year. He's out there putting in good work, no errors, um, just very, very clean baseball. LJ, I'm going with Zach Davies of Ooh. the Diamondbacks. Um, leads all National League pitchers in defensive runs saved with three. Um, only three pitchers have two, and then everybody else has one or less. Um, actually, Logan Webb, out of the 30 qualified pitchers for defensive runs saved in the National League, Logan Webb actually ranks dead last with negative two. Um, however, he has made the plays that have been hit to him. How he could be of negative two runs of defensive value thing with these uh, defensive stats i don't and the lj doesn't understand it you guys don't understand them um it makes it great it's just a crapshoot just like all the gold glove voting is anyway so <laughs> in um, general so <laughs> another honorable mention for this i feel like it has to go to adam wayne right here yeah because honestly i kind of want to switch over to him it's winter time. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. 
Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. But no, because right, part of my rationalization, I can't really decide whether or not is truly defensive value. Adam Wainwright, seven putouts, five assists, no errors, only one stolen base on the year. Do you do you consider a guy's ability to hold a hold a runner at first to be part of his defensive value? Sure, I or mean that part of his pitching game. Like, ooh, see, the thing is, pitching and defense are both so similar when you think about it. Yeah, because honestly, like, because like you look at a guy like John Lester who just can't do it, right? Right, like he can't yeah. do it. And then you look at other guys. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of like the opposite of John Lester, but it's basically just any pitcher um, who can throw the ball to first base. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's just how it is. Um, no, it's certainly a part of your game. I, LJ, I would say pitching, but a part of the game that gets so overlooked. I'll say that. Yeah, because the rationale here right now is between Logan Webb Nine and put outs, nine assists, no errors, six stolen bases allowed. Mm. And Adam Wainwright, seven put outs, five assists, no errors, and one. Who who's providing more value there? That's it's up to you to decide, bud. <laughs> I feel like it's right, if we if we go from a mathematical standpoint and subtract out the stolen bases from the put outs and assists, it's literally dead even. I'm staying with Logan Webb. Okay. Well, LJ, catcher for me, this was a two-horse race here. Okay. Yes? No? Yes. I'm trying to remember the group. Um, Yes, yes. I'm going with JT Real Muto. Um, That was not the horse I thought you were bringing into this race. JT Real Muto um, has always been one of the best uh, defensive catchers in the league. Um, in terms of his actual defensive value, leads all NL catchers in the Fangraphs defensive rating, leads all NL catchers in defensive runs saved. Um, and in terms of framing, which I'm going to pull up right now. Um, he, he is 27th with zero uh, framing runs. Interesting. Okay. 27th with zero framing runs. Um, still in the 61st percentile in the league, however, for framing, now that I yes. see that. Um, yeah, I'm going to take JT Real, Real Muto. Um, I think he gives that, that a Phillies pitching staff. He actually helps them a lot, and it's sad when you look at their team pitching stats because they're not that good. But without him, I'm afraid that that would be a huge mess. Also, I hadn't noticed this until I accidentally scrolled down looking for JT Real Muto. Martin Maldonado's got a minus two framing runs this year. This is your defensive pitch calling specialist catcher for the Houston Astros. What exactly is he providing to this team at this point? And the batting has been atrocious for him. Just awful. It's, it's never been good. No, but like especially this year, it's bad. <laughs> Like we started to have worries about this in like 2018, 19 or 2019, 20. And then, you know, last year gave us a little bit of hope, but still, if you have a guy who's meant to be your defensive focused guy behind the plate, you kind of hope he's higher than the 63rd percentile. 
Right now, he's currently in the 26th. Beside the point, I'm going with Travis Darno here. Mm, yeah, that was my other guy. horse. Um, strike rate of 47.9% on those that he's got going called. I don't have his defensive rating up if Brandon could pull that, but he does have three catcher framing runs. Most importantly to me, we've got 1,100 pitches caught this year. I really respect the heck out of anyone who can put together this quality of number over that period of time because it's just flat out looks exhausting. So in terms of the defensive rating, Real Muto came in at a 6.8, Darno at a 6.6, and then the drop-off is to Kiebert Ruiz at 2.6. Now, out of curiosity, where's Joey Bart? Because he was uh, the other guy I considered. Does not qualify for the National League. Ah. I can see where he would qualify. Let's see. Let's do a 50-inning um, minimum. So when you do a 50-inning minimum, Yachty shoots right up to the top of the fleeter board with 7.3. So that might be a little bit of a missed um, opportunity there. I should have sorted this better, honestly. Well, that's not Joey necessarily Bart, a missed opportunity um, because if you're giving it right now, you can't give it to him. Right, because he's not qualified. No, absolutely right. Um, LJ, Joey Bart sits at a 2.7, which would put him third if he was qualified. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. I was between I was between Bart and um, Darno. Either way, Brandon, we got to keep moving. We yes, gotta get we will to certainly him. move on. Uh, first base, I ended up going with Christian Walker yeah. of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Certainly, I mean, I kind of had him in my head when I was coming through going through this, but I really was going into this with an open mind, and he's just had a terrific year. You're talking about a success rate of 81% on his plays. That's plus five added, five outs above average. Just really, really good stuff for this guy manning that corner for the Diamondbacks. Yep. I also go with Christian Walker here. Not only is he having a great season in the field, but hitting-wise, already 14 homers. You're talking 1.3 war in the 95th percentile of like five or six of these stat cast stats here. And the biggest one, at least for this episode, uh, 97th percentile and outs above average. Uh, you know, you can look at the eight defensive runs saved. The next closest for NL first baseman is uh, two. So completely lapped the field multiple times there. Um, yeah, this was very easy for me. Um, at least there was only 10 qualified first baseman for the NL and Christian Walker um, runs away with it. Yep, Brandon, where are you going here at second base? Second base, I'm going to go with Tommy Edmond. Um, You know, you're talking seven defensive runs saved. Um, actually ranks third in the Fangraphs defensive rating for NL second baseman behind Jazz Chisholm and Ozzie Albies. However, um, you're when you look at the innings played, Tommy Edmond, 343 innings. Ozzie Albies, 474. Albies with a negative one defensive run save despite over 130 more innings than Edmond, who's sitting at seven. So you're talking about a, a, a difference of eight defensive runs saved between those two. And Albies has played 130 more innings and still is that far behind um, in that stat. So I'm going to go with Tommy Edmond. I ended up going with Jazz Chisholm. Mm. You know, you're talking about a really good 
this is a really solid year. You know, um, we talked about not necessarily the most consistent player in the league, but he's getting stuff done. And again, this isn't a projecting thing, but it feels like to me, I'm looking at a guy five outs above average. Next closest guy in guy is um, guys, I should say, are Ozzy Albies and Tommy Edmond here at four. And he's doing it with a little less time to work with, which is certainly impressive. I ended up deciding that was worth it for me. Jazz Chisholm was worth it for me. And I really think he has probably the most potential to shoot up the boards for that gold glove this year. Like if anyone isn't talking about him now, they will be by the end of the season once he starts getting a little more time. Well, LJ, it's shortstop. I went to our good pal, Dansby Swanson. Um, you know, we've always known that the the defense was here with this guy. And um, I believe it was him where we talked about how just based on how good the shortstops have been in the NL, he's probably gotten screwed out of a couple of gold gloves already. Is that Was that him that we were saying that yes, for? Yes, that was who we were saying that for. Um, it was him and Manny Machado because I remember we were saying like third base in the AL used to be really stacked. Now it's stacked in the NL, and shortstop is always a really stacked spot. But I think that a Dansby is just ha- having a immaculate season in the field. I guess is the word. He's been outstanding. Dansby's just been having a terrific year across the board. I mean. Yeah. Like, this is just, this kind of is the year of Dansby Swanson. And I'm not sure if that's necessarily to his benefit or not. It depends on where he really wants to be long term. I heard, I also went with him, of course, so that isn't clear here. Um, However, I heard this interesting pitch Hmm? that basically Dansby Swanson's performance this season has thrust the Atlanta Braves into the Xander Bogarts market. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Well, Brandon, think of it this way. This is a guy who, you know, isn't necessarily known as like the greatest hitter, but he's putting up legit hitting stats right now. He's the best defensive shortstop in the National League by a pretty wide margin at this point in time. And, you know, he's still going to keep improving, keep getting better. He's right in his prime. He is going to per- get a very big back. Like, yeah. am I am I wrong? He, especially in this class where you've got another year of really good shortstops, somebody's going to find him, somebody's going to take him, and they're going to pay him a lot. And so, if you're Atlanta and you already know you're going to have to pay a pretty penny for Dansby Swanson, would you rather just go and spend a little bit more and get more get more for your dollar by getting Xander Bogarts? Yeah, I mean, Alex Anthopoulos is always working the lines. We saw what he did at last year's trade deadline to rebuild that outfield. So I'm sure. And theoretically, you don't have to. Sorry, go ahead. He's got something cooking, I'm sure. He definitely has something cooking. And with that, too, you can kind of you can play this like the Red Sox were playing the whole Trevor Story thing. And, you know, you get. Do we want Marcelo Zuna back in left field? Uh, yeah, I, let's throw him, throw him back in sure, left field. Sure. Um, I was going to say no, but for the sake of that, sure. Yeah, we'll throw him in there. For the sake of that, we're putting 
Marcelo is in a back and left field because you know this was a Gold Glover at one point in time. My more big, my bigger thing is you know to get us back into the order of how the positions go and go to third base after second base. Um, one of the worst, yeah. one of the worst defenders in the league right now is Austin Riley, and so no matter what you think about Xander Bogarts, you know he doesn't make egregious mistakes. He just lacks a little bit of range sometimes. You can move him back over to third, get Austin Riley out of the field, and all of a sudden your team looks a million times better, even with Marcelo Zuna in left field. And, yeah, I mean, Austin Riley finished seventh in MVP, won the Silver Slugger in the NL for third base, which is, as we're going to talk about next, a very stacked position. Um, but in terms of the gold glove, um, it's it's – Nolan Arenado. Um, he's won the Gold Glove every single year since he's come into the league. The Fangraphs defensive stats just blow everything out of the water here. And, um, you know, a key Brian Hayes is certainly up there when it comes to the defensive run saved. But for outs above average, it's Arenado. Um, you know, the, the defensive rating, it's Arenado. Ultimate zone rating, it's Arenado. Um, and why should I pick against the guy that has literally not lost the award including his rookie year he is the best defensive or one of if not the best defensive player that we've seen i'm i'm pretty close enough to comfortably saying that he is five platinum gloves like that is just five platinum gloves in nine seasons like how do you do that um, is nine ab- gold gloves in nine seasons. That's that's still the most incredible thing to me. Is that every year it's just like he's just a shoe in for it. Like it's it's yeah, nothing. and it's one of those situations where yes, you know, Manny Machado is leading him in outs above average, and there's going to be spots that you're going to be able to find with him right now. But at this point, for me to consider not giving it to Nolan Arenado, he has to do something to prove that he doesn't deserve it. Like. I feel like there is a very high bar of entry into competition with Arenado right now, not even just surpassing him. And you talk about guys having a good season. Um, LJ, he's at his career high for OPS plus in a season right now at 146. Um, dude is raking and playing very good defense. No one Arenado's back. He, I don't ever want to say that he was gone. But 2020 and 2021 with no MVP votes uh, certainly woke him up. (laughs) That's for sure. 2021 with no MVP votes. I mean, granted, I didn't put him on my MVP ballot, I I don't think. It was too hard to. It was stacked. It was stacked. But at the same time, you're talking about a guy with a 120 OPS plus, still a gold glover, still a guy garnering for war. And he was part of leading the charge to get that St. Louis team (laughs) back into the playoffs on that ridiculous spurt there's no good reason he didn't get at least mentioned well lj we will stay in the correct order of positions and move to left field who'd you go with here um i went with david peralta another diamond back nice yeah and that is i'm gonna end up being my last diamond back Ooh. I feel like we have to have this conversation here. Like, is that how much, how much is this team being underratedly good defensively 
factoring into the success of their pitching staff. I mean, yes, some of that success is kind of dying out. You know, guys are starting to come back to earth. Merrill Kelly, Mad Bum, um, certainly Zach Davies had a couple of really bad starts. Um, and of course, Mark Melanson is never going to closer. So we don't have to worry about that. Um, either way, though, their, their early success, how much of that do you think is up to the, the defensive abilities of this team? Uh, a lot because LJ, this is mind blowing right here. National League teams based on their defensive rating, according to fan graphs. You ready for this? Number one, the Diamondbacks at 15.4. Okay. Mm-hmm. Number two is the Padres. And that would make sense. I'm not going to tell you what number the Padres are at, but that would make sense. You know, you have Manny Machado, you have Jerks and Profar, who I almost. You don't have picked. Fernando Tatis. You don't have Fernando Tatis. Tatis, Tatis. <laughs> you have Hassan. You have very good defenders. So the Diamondbacks are at 15.4. The Padres are at 10.4. So that is a difference of five between the first and second place team in the National League. Uh, the third place team is the Marlins at 6.9. So you're talking the Diamondbacks have more than doubled the third place team's defensive rating, according to fan graphs. LJ, absolutely the defense has helped out this pitching staff this year. No question. No question about it. Brandon, who did you go with at left field? Was this also a David Peralta spot for you? Uh, it was. I wanted to see if you were gonna be if you were gonna go with two Diamondbacks first. Um, like I said, I thought about Jerks and Profar, um, but you know, left field is just such a tricky uh, position to to have to deal with. Um, you know, there's there's not a lot of guys that play it full time, honestly, and um, well, no, okay, that's wrong. There is guys that play it full time, but. It's just, I don't know, LJ, we always have the hardest time when it comes to anything for left field. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's fair. I mean, you know, you talk about there's, yeah, you've, you've already answered that. I don't know why I'm Yeah, no, I don't, even, I don't even know. It's just, it's, it's hard. Like, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. Sorry. Uh, Honestly, I don't have a good excuse for that one. It's hard. Jerks and Profar, sorry, but you, you were close, bud. Honestly, there's a lot of guys in the center field that I'd really like to have been able to more better consider. Um, I ended up giving the award to Nick Senzel of the Cincinnati Mm. Reds. You know, this is a guy three outs above average to start the season, 92% success rate and 3% added on that covers a boatload of ground out in that outfield for the Reds. It's really Really good year, really productive year from him. Other guys that should be mentioned, Harrison Bayer of the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, Dalton Varsho was very much in this for me. Honestly, like, again, I try to, when I look at this stuff, I try to get myself down to three before I go and look at a lot Mm -hmm. of peripheral stats. Outfield jump is a big one for me. So I really go and kind of peruse that after I narrow it down to like three or four. Those were the clear three, and there wasn't anyone I was all that keen to jump into it other than that. Like, I wasn't going to really pull Lorenzo Kane in. I wasn't going to pull Brandon Nimmo in. Um, this group felt right to me, 
and Nick Senzel really felt like the top choice among that. Nick Senzel, um, I end up not picking him. He was second on my list just because he's not qualified actually for the leaderboards here, according to Fangraphs. You put that up to 200 innings played in the field, and he's on still a short list of 12 there. Um, he is he is qualified by attempts though, Chris. By attempts, okay, gotcha. Yeah, I don't even know how they do it. Um, honestly, I was I don't know exactly what it is. Um. He's having a great season for sure for the Reds. Um, has been manning a very good center field. I'm gonna go with Brandon Nimmo on the Mets. Uh, some of the stats here for him, especially um, the the arm. I don't know how Fangraphs uh, calculates this, but they have a stat that's based on just how many runs or runs above average or runs above replacement, whatever it is. Does your arm do in the field? So just the throws you're making. Um, it's him and Victor Robles at the top, and then a long drop to anyone else. Outs above average, Brandon Nimmo has two. And then the big thing that does it for me, both the Fangraphs defensive rating at 3.2, which leads all qualified National League center fielders, but also the ultimate zone rating of 3.7, which um, compared to Nick Senzel's .6, um, he certainly has him covered there. So, yeah, Brandon Nimmo... Certainly a guy that's been getting, um, I guess, warranted attention for how good he actually is um, as a hitter as well, finally, this year. He can just stay healthy. Where did we go in right field? Right field was, it, it was interesting because I'm looking at the list here and it's like, there's only really one choice and it's, and it's Mookie Betts, um. But, you know, I wanted to try to pick somebody else. And I was looking, and I actually like what Hunter Renfro's been doing for the Brewers. Um, I think Avisail Garcia for the Marlins is really interesting. But, I mean, let's be real. Betts, like, the two guys in my head when I started this list were Betts and Arenado. And, um, yeah, I kind of have to go with, with Betts here. He's been outstanding. We've seen what he's done his entire career in the field five-time gold glover already um yeah and he's just had some crazy plays over the last few seasons um so yeah you are right though on that i think you know if hunter renfro plays more this year like if he stayed healthy through this point of the season Mm -hmm. that that could be a very um legitimate talking point yeah other guys that definitely could find their way into that situation aristides aquino um, Will Myers, I think, is definitely still up in that conversation. I can't believe that uh, Aquino is, is so high on these lists. I mean, he's 6'4", 220 pounds. You, he's huge. You watch him play uh, hit. He looks like a giant up there. Um, but what he's been doing in the field, you know, you can't, you can't not realize um, – the 20 OPS plus, though, I mean, what what the hell's going on here? Um, you know. Unideal. Unideal, definitely. Um, looking like Martin Maldonado out here. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Um, yeah, no, the, oh, that was the other guy I wanted to mention for center field for the NL. Alec Thomas mm. probably has the most room to grow purely because he didn't have the time. I know I have a great track record with projecting rookies into gold gloves, but – you know, he, he's, he's just, he's so quick. And I think 
overall as long as you know you avoid the stupid mistakes or if you're quick enough honestly julio rodriguez is proving to us that you know if you're quick enough and you can make enough plays having youthful mistakes isn't going to kill you in these statistics yeah absolutely um yeah I, I, i can totally agree with that um I pulled up Martin Maldonado's baseball reference because I wanted to check something. LJ, I told you Aristides Aquino um, had a 20 OPS plus okay. yeah, for the season. Yes. Um, Martin Maldonado has that doubled. He has a 40. So if you thought that Martin Maldonado has been a bad hitter, uh, enter Aristides Aquino, who has been fantastic in the field, but uh, not good. Not good. No bueno. No bueno. Well, um, I think that's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow is Monday. We got Power Rankings. Monday. Power Rankings Monday is tomorrow. Um, we'll be back then. Um, to discuss more on the Angels, more on the Sunday games that have happened. I'm, I've been watching this Sunday night baseball game. Looks like the Cardinals should pull away here in extras in the 11th. Um, but, yeah, that'll do it. Thanks for listening. Check us out. Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. We'll see you. See you manana. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.